We are anticipating that God is going to do a great thing in our lives. Amen. You know, the greatest thing that I believe can happen to us this week is to know Him more, to hear Him clearer, to know His ways, His power, and His will. That as you walk out of this week, where this week shall end, when you walk in the streets, you would not ask yourself, is it God or is it me? But you will know, God is speaking to me. Tonight what we want to set a foundation for you on is the nature of true worship. So that as we go throughout this week, you know what to expect. Amen. You are not oblivious. You are aware. This is what I'm expecting God to do. Amen. Let's give God a hand of praise. And as we sit down. Thank you guys. I want us to, to clarify why do we have this week? Amen. If you can help us put this on top here. Why do we have worship week? Some people are under the impression that we have a worship week so that we can just come and sing. Amen. Can I be honest with you? That's not the point. Amen. The point really is not to sing but to worship. But there are a few things that we need to dismantle so that as we go forward, we are all on the same page as a church. So tonight I'm just going to say briefly so that you capture what we say. As we build on it, you are aware of what we're trying to achieve. In Mark chapter 7, when you read from verse 5, they ask Jesus, Why don't your disciples wash their hands? As they eat. You remember that. We've read the verse many times in the life of the church. Right? And then Jesus says. When he answers them he says. Isaiah was right about you hypocrites. That these people. Come near to me. With what? With their lips. Therefore they can sing. They can speak. Right? They can dance if need be. But their hearts are far from me in their hearts they still believe they are more important than me in their hearts they still believe there are other things that are more important that deserve their attention that's why i'm saying if you are on facebook or twitter or whatever, go home please because somehow you are not on the same page with us today and unfortunately we have no patience for you today today we want to set our eyes on jesus and if now you are here, you have other things you have to put your attention on. Please leave this place and go put your attention there. Is that okay? So over this week, therefore, the idea is to bring to our attention that God demands our attention because he deserves it. Amen? And so Jesus says to them, you are hypocrites. You do what seems to be true worship, but in reality, your worship is rules taught by men. 
And that is why people can come to church and cry and fall down. Why? Because their pastor is there. Because their pastor has taught them the jargon of worship and the behavior, the externalities of how to do it. But their hearts are far from God. But you see, your pastor does not deserve worship. God does. And your pastor cannot validate or authenticate what is true worship. Only God can. And God therefore looks at the heart that comes to worship him. And not the outward maneuvers that seem to indicate I'm doing the right thing. Amen. So therefore, this week we want to deal with where are our hearts when it comes to worship. Is that okay? And so Jesus says, but secondly... You, 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 you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God so that you can do your traditions. He says, when God has spoken something about honoring your father and mother, Luna, you come, you say, no, 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 the guy must not do that. In fact, what he gives to his parents, he must be Coben. In other words, what I could be given to you or what I'm giving to you is actually not honor to you. I'm just doing it because I'm honoring God. But you see, God has not said that. He said, honor your mother and father. Amen. And so he says, now you nullify the word of God. So, this week we want to be aware that God cannot be worshipped out of tradition. And what does that mean? You're not going to end this week worshipping out of us coaching you when this week ends either you want to worship god or you want to worship yourself you need to be clear about that we can't stand here every sunday and coach you to worship either you came to worship god or you didn't so when you enter the premises your heart must be to say i will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his cause with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad. Amen. You're not going to come here and wait for someone to wind you up. I get I'm setting the foundation of what we're going to do this week. And so Jesus says, no tradition. Is that okay? Was but then again, one of the things we need to unpack for ourselves starting tonight is what is the fruit of true worship? If God is truly worshipped, what should we expect in the life of the church? What should you expect in your personal life? Now here's one thing that should not be mistaken. Everyone is a worshipper. Everyone is a not everyone is a worshiper of the true God. So others worship, but they don't worship God. Right? Others worship themselves. Others worship their spouses. Others worship their girlfriends and their boyfriends. Others worship their jobs. Others worship money. Others worship ancestors. Others worship other gods. So every one of us sitting here is a worshiper. So we need to correct our perspective of who do we worship there. So that when we come together as a church, 
There is no confusion. Some of us worship the devil more than we worship Jesus. You see people's passion coming out strong when the devil is being spoken about. If we say, bless the name of Jesus, amen. Bind the devil, yes, amen. So clearly you are more aware of the devil than you are of Jesus. So we need to correct that this week. Is that okay? One of the things we also need to correct is the fact that you can worship God but worship Him wrongly. So in a sense, you have a desire to worship the true God. But the way you go about it is wrong, such that you end up not giving the very person you are trying to worship the right worship. See, for instance, when we pray, James says, you do not have what because you do not ask. You remember it. But he says, the problem is, even when you ask the right person, God in this case, you still ask with the wrong motives. So clearly your praying is wrong. John tells us, this is the confidence we have, First John 5, that when we ask him anything according to his will, we know we have what we've asked. So obviously, if we do not ask according to his will, even if we are asking the right person, we ask him the wrong things, the wrong way, we are asking him what is not his nature, we cannot receive. Are you following? In the same manner when we worship him and not worship him in a prescribed way, we're missing the mark. So what do we need to do? We need to ensure that when as a church we say we are worshiping, we are not missing the mark. Actually, how do we know we're missing the mark? We will have to look at what is the fruit of our worship. And when we see our worship, because you see, ignorance is dangerous. Somebody says, I'm worshiping God, and they don't see what true worship should bring happening, and they still think I'm worshiping. So, let's start in Hebrews chapter 13. Are you there? I'm reading from verse 9. It says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. We are warned, aren't we? That we should not be carried away by all kinds of what? Strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods which are of no value to those who eat them. In other words, you must not think worship is about external things. External things must be an expression of the internal condition of the heart. Are you still with us? It says, we have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Meaning our altar is of a higher quality and divine nature than theirs. Theirs was a shadow. Ours is a reality. In other words, they worshipped God out of a shadow understanding. You and I can worship God out of a reality of the revelation of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The Holy Spirit can paint a very clear picture of who God is to us. 
Are you following? So they worshipped through symbols. But we worship in truth and in spirit. So Jesus would not say the time will come or has come and the time is where the true worshippers shall worship their father in truth and in spirit. If those who worship out of the shadow were worshipping out of reality. I don't know if you understand what I just said. Those who worship from the Old Testament did not worship in truth and in spirit. They worshiped through ceremonies. Through the shadow. But Jesus says the time is where now you can worship in truth and in spirit. How do we know that that is possible? Because the spirit searches the deep things of God. The spirit of God knows the mind of God. The spirit of God, it is said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered the mind of man. In other words, no mind has conceived what God has in store for us. But God has done what? Has revealed it to us. Deuteronomy 29.29 was a declaration to the people in the Old Testament that the secret things belong to the Lord. And so they could live. Even the prophets, they were wondering, what are we prophesying about, the Bible says. They wanted to know this mystery for whom is it intended. Now the Bible says that mystery was intended for you and me, therefore it is revealed by His Spirit to us. So you and I can get out of shadow into reality. You and I do not have to wonder what is in the holy of holies. Why? Because the, the, that cloth that separated the holy of holies from the holy place is removed. It is no longer the high priest alone who enters. But you and I can come boldly into the throne of grace. Can you understand that? And therefore you and I are very, should be very ashamed and be feeling that how can we, with the holy of holies open, not enter? How can we miss the entrance when it is wide open? And if I was to enter, I should know what signifies or what tells me now you have entered. Are you still with us, saints? So most of us as churches, we believe we entered, but we don't even know if you entered. You know, in the Old Testament, if he entered, he would have sprinkled the blood. If he was full of sin, he would have died in there. So we would know he was inside. Remember it. But now, God is with us. God is in us. God is upon us. He is already with us. So we have already entered the presence. The question is, can you tell whether you were in the manifest presence of God or you were in the providential presence? Providential presence means God is here now. But you see, God is here. He doesn't have to do anything. The Bible teaches us that He dwells, He abides in the praises of His people. When they build Him a throne of praises, God comes and He dwells and He manifests in His power. Are you following? So God can be here and do nothing. 
But God can be here and do something. The question is, what are we expecting to do for us to know he was here? You are still with us, right? So, let's continue reading. It says to us there, the high priest, I'm reading from verse 11, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burnt outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. To make people what? Remember, the blood of animals could not make people holy. But the blood of Jesus remits our sins with no trace. So that we can be sure that the Bible says he is able to deliver to the uttermost to perfect those who come to God through him. So he has made us holy, meaning we have imputed holiness. The holiness of God is upon us. But now we have to walk in holiness that God has already attained for us through the blood of Jesus. And so he says, let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for a city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, through Jesus, because in him we are holy, because in him we have found redemption, because in him we are vindicated, because in him we are justified, and by his blood we can stand uncondemned before God. Now the Bible says, through him, therefore, let us continually Offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name. Let's go to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter. Let's take it from chapter 7. Are you still with us? Chapter 7 verse 1 I read it says When Solomon finished praying When he did what? You know where he prays and he says God has fulfilled with his hand What he has promised with his mouth When Solomon finished praying Fire came down from heaven and consumed what? The burnt offerings What are burnt offerings? Sacrifices What were sacrifices? They are shadow way of worship. Now watch. People worshipped God through shadows. And God honored that worship. And he came down and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. Now I want you to see this. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I want you to hold that thought. I don't have much time. I will still continue with the thoughts tomorrow. But let's go to Revelation. Chapter 4. Are you there? Verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give what? Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne. Now, 
that portion of scripture, I want you to hold it dear in your heart for the whole of this week and hopefully for the whole of your, your life. That part of scripture reveals to us the content of true worship. That the content of true worship, whatever true worship contains, whatever its nature is, it consists of bringing God glory. Of bringing God honor. Of bringing God thanksgiving. Are you still with us? So in a sense, sometimes you can stand and say, I am worshipping God. When in actual fact, honor in your worship is tend to dishonor. That is not true worship. Because the nature of true worship is, is, brings God what? Honor. Isn't it amazing that in our churches, people babizi by wire and do these things and they say they are worshipping God. Isn't Isaiah still right today that you hypocrites? How can you stand before God and dishonor him yet say you worship him? Isn't it amazing that our churches are full of people who have no fear, the fear of the Lord? Isn't it amazing that people can, in, during worship, be texting each other? Foolishness, isn't it? But even worse, dishonoring God. Isn't it amazing that people can be leading us in the front, and when you look at what they are doing at that very moment, you wonder what is in their heads. Sometimes you wish you can go and say, please, worry this step, get off. Are you following? So we need to ask ourselves, the content of what we're doing, is it honoring God? Is it bringing glory? Is it bringing him thanks? So, as we read, the first fruit of, the, of true worship is the glory of the manifest glory of God. It's not how we sing. Remember, you are not God. Why am I telling you you are not God just in case you are not aware? It's because when the song blesses you, you think the worship was good. But you, you have no right to judge worship. You are not God. Aish was powerful today. How can you say it was powerful when sinners remain sinners after that song? Eh? The glory of the Lord came and the priests could not do their duties. Why? Because it was no longer a question of pastor convincing the sinner to repent. It was God coming face to face and saying, I am the Lord your God who created you. Why? Remember we said worship is when creation recognizes the creator. When you see God for who he is and yourself for who you are. And then you start realizing you are not God's equal. Amen? So this week as we worship, we need to be desiring God manifest yourself. You see what was beginning to happen right now? 
When people forget they are beautiful, they forget they are handsome, they start surrendering and God deals with them at the level of him being God, not at the level of the God they created in their heads. Are you following that? So what should we be expecting? The glory of God. We should expect God to manifest. But God is not going to manifest where he's not feared. Do you remember that? We taught that already again. Leviticus chapter 10, you remember. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, who were killed by God because they worshipped God out of tradition, out of knowing. Familiarity breeds what? Contempt, right? Hari Twaila Nareatella. That's why you 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 can be old and you you find this young boy. Yo, what's up? What's up? What's up? Baday, baday. And you think, who are you? Didn't your parents teach you respect? You understand that type of thing? And because we grow up in such a society, even people bring their, their men upstairs attitude into the life of the church. Yeah, yeah, Lord, I bless you, God. Yo, man. And then they think God should manifest his presence. Shame on us. Shame on us that we forget that you and I, before God, we are nothing. It is God who makes us something. Shame on you to think that you're better than what you truly are. Without the blood of Jesus, you are a sinner bound for eternal damnation and burn in hell. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Why? Because the love of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we are called the children of God. That's something that you and I need to tremble when we think about. Without the love of God, without the shed blood of Jesus, who could speak good advocacy on our behalf? Have mercy, Lord. No one. Amen? So, number two, when we read in the book of the same books in, in Chronicles, we're in Second Chronicles again. In chapter 20, you know the story. Remember the story of Jehoshaphat? Look at chapter 20, verse 15. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is what? But whose? True worship brings a conviction of victory. That is the fruit of true. If we are true worshippers, when we come before our enemies, we, we already know. We want to almost warn them, alright? Maybe you should just go home. Maybe you should not continue trying to fight with me. Because the battle is not mine. It is the Lord. And if the Lord be on my side, you cannot be against me. It is not possible. 
But you see, because people do not worship with the intention to see the fruit of worship, they enter worship void of the conviction that this battle is the Lord. And as I worship God, God is going to fight for me. Are you still there? Isn't it amazing that God says, do not be afraid. So clearly a true worshiper, when he puts on the garment of praise, fear is cast out of his heart. Because he knows, my enemy can come in one direction. But he'll flee in seven directions. Because now I've taken a different approach to this battle. But saints, look at us worshipping. You think a person is worshipping. They are mulling and wallowing in their own pain. You are more sad worshipping than convicted of victory. When we think you are worshipping, you are having a pity party. See, worship takes out pity party. Because worship is a do or die matter now. It's when people say, devil, bring your army. There's an army behind me. In worship, faith opens our eyes that many are those with us and on our behalf than those with our enemy. Are you still there? Thirdly, when you read in Acts chapter 16, you remember the story of Paul and Silas. The same story of Paul and Silas is, is, is speaking the same principles of this, the story we just alluded to. The third fruit of true worship is victory. You see, these guys, when they worshipped, they did not wait for victory to happen. But as they were walking around the walls of Jericho, did the walls fall the first day? Did they fall the second day? Did they fall the third day? Question. How many times would you have encircled the walls of Jericho before they fall? If it was you. Eh? Hopefully seven times. Hopefully. And do it seven times on the seventh day. But let me tell you what happens. You and I run out of worship at the very first sight of danger. After you've prayed, just because he has not given you, you've lost worship. Victory is guaranteed by steadfast trust in God. And therefore, victory is guaranteed by a conviction that God is willing and is able. Are you still with us? And so when we worship, there must be that understanding that it doesn't matter how long it takes. Heaven will come down. And hell and demons will flee. But you and I don't carry that conviction now, do we? 
the true worshiper. When he worships, vigor and valor. You know what is valor? Bravery. Ne? Sebiti. Not liver this time. You become brave. You know why? Because the fourth thing, the fruit of true worship, is that we are transformed into the likeness of the one we behold. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, you remember. As we behold in the mirror, the glory of this King, great Jesus, the Bible says we are transformed into his likeness. From glory to... Look, you're looking at Jesus, you're worshipping him. The Bible says you are transformed from glory to... You do understand what glory means. Glory means the manifest power of God, the fame of God, the supremacy of God, the kabod, the heaviness presence of God. In other words, as I worship him, I begin to carry within me the authority of the name of Jesus, the authority of who Christ is, and therefore I am changing. How come we worship but we remain the same? Then you and I must admit two things. Either we worship in the false gods, and therefore our worship is a fake to a fake God. Or we worship ignorantly. Because we don't know what worship should do to us and for us. Are you with me? So what are we trusting for this whole week? The glory of God. You want to come and say, if I am to be transformed, the glory must be present, isn't it? Because it says from glory to... So, how would you even change from one glory if in any case you don't have anything? Of course you do have the level of glory because you are born again. You understand? But friends, we're talking about a situation where sickness does not change my confession. Lack does not change my confession. Unemployment does not change my confession. My confession remains, Jesus, you are Lord. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you thanks. Shall we stand up? What should you want to come? I hope that gives you what you should anticipate this week. And I must repeat to you tonight. We will never coach you anymore to worship God. If you don't see the point in raising hands to God, suit yourself. Why? Because you and I must truly be convicted that Jesus is worthy. Cosmos City Church. Let us stop being a church that needs cheerleaders. Let us stop being what? 
Stop wanting people to cheer you to worship God. Come here ready. And say, God, yes, I may not be what I should be now, Lord. But as I come, I'm ready to be transformed from glory to glory. Lord, I'm at a point where I could do with more of your, the impartation of your nature in my life. I could do with more of Jesus in my life. I have come, O oh God, to decrease that Jesus may increase in my life. I have come, O oh God, that Jesus may be pleased with me. I want to move from A to B in trusting him and loving him. When Sunday comes, I don't want to be the spectator that is told. Because, you see, if we keep t telling you, clearly your worship is rules taught by men. Because you never raise hands because you believe Jesus is worthy of your surrender. You want us to give you rules. Lift your hands. You want us to tell you, kneel down. You remember the story of that boy who said, yes, I am kneeling down, but in my heart I'm standing up. Rules taught by... I mean, have you ever seen how bad it is when you are kneeling down and you pretend to be worshipping kneeling down because your pastor said kneel down and you are thinking, when is he saying I must stand up? Let me give you an advice. If you don't see Jesus as worthy to kneel down, for you to kneel down before him, don't do it. Because you become more of a hypocrite than you were before the pastor said, kneel down. Amen. But you know what? I have faith for you. I have faith. I believe God that you will change. I believe that you and I are going to get to a place where I don't need his or her approval to kneel down and cry to God. I don't need to wonder if the song is over now. I need to stand up. I can just lie before my king.